Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Here today to recap the Chicago Red Stars draw. The Red Stars played out to a 0-0 draw against Gotham FC in their regular season home opener, and it was a vibe, a glorious summertime shy vibe. It feels like a good one, guys, even if it is a draw, a scoreless, goalless draw. But we're going to talk about some good things because a lot of good things came out of this match. We're going to talk about pre-game vibes. We're going to talk about in-game vibes. We're going to talk about a kit that got revealed. So much good stuff to get through, and I couldn't do it alone. No one could ever do anything alone. So I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, the scam originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm great. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we'll talk about the game, which was, was good. It, it wasn't even bad, but I, you know, yesterday recording this on Monday night on, on Sunday, I had this thought multiple times. And then even today I was just like, that was the nicest evening I've had in a really, really long time. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was much needed. I think. Absolutely. Felt, felt good. Felt great at times. Well, we'll get into this game, but there, there's a lot to talk to, uh, talk through in the pregame moments of this because the energy leading up to this game was was really, really great. Yeah, we recapped it and previewed it for you guys. The team was coming off of their worst loss in NWSL history, a 5-0 loss to Portland. And you're thinking, what kind of good vibes are you taking into this week? It turns out many, many good vibes. Uh, it was so nice to know that we were going to be rolling up to a home game at SeatGeek Stadium knowing that there were going to be fans in the stands, that there was going to be the lovely Red Stars community that we've all grown to love and share together. And there was something very special in knowing that 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 was going to go down because this was the first game that the Red Stars were able to play in front of fans since their 2019 semifinal victory over Portland so long ago, over almost 20 months or exactly 20 months, right? So... That in itself generated, I think, a ton of excitement for a lot of people. And that includes us in the media who were getting hyped up to talk about this game, to go and cover this game. There were some fun activities that took place, uh, some pregame tailgates happening out in the lots hosted by Sarah Spain of ESPN and also Red Stars Ownership and Colleen Mares. It was great to see our homies in front of the pod. Shout out to them. Uh, come back out to the podcast, you guys. We would love to chat all things Chicago Red Stars with you. Oh, yeah. We'll make uh, that happen sooner rather yeah. than later. It was so lovely to see so many people, Claire. We got to see so many of uh, our old friends and new friends, really. Shout out to to Bryn. Shout out to to Anna, yeah. the Shy Local 134 in the house. Uh, new friends and Hannah and Rob. And thanks for stepping up and introducing yourselves and uh, meeting us. And Claire, it was, of course, my favorite part of all this was rolling up to the game with you, homie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so funny because right. Sandra and I got there at the same time. Obviously we didn't really plan to, but we did, we did the thing that you do when you say, you're just like, Oh, so like what, what time, what time are you getting there? Like, you know, what time are you leaving? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And so we kind of had a window where we were both trying to get there around the same time. And, um, and actually Annie Costabile at the Sun Times also arrived at around the same time. And we new new vibes. We go into a different gate than we usually did. We used to go into gate E, which was right next to the main entrance. 
Um, but that's been, been flipped. Now we come in on the opposite side of the stadium. And so we, we get there and we're like looking around and we're like, okay, but where's the tailgate though? (laughs) And, uh, so we, yeah, we, we wandered a tiny bit. We moved outside of our, uh, our intended area for a second, um, walked across the, across the concourse and hung out. Yeah. Got to go say hi at the tailgate, which was great. Yeah. It was very, I think this is something that is, is, true to this particular experience, but also not necessarily unique, which I think is a lot of us over this last year have done whatever we've had to do to sort of like get through and and be safe and all of that sort of thing. And part of that is you can kind of convince yourself that, um, that like what you're doing is like fine. (laughs) Like you're like, it's okay if I don't see anybody and it's okay if I stay inside and I don't really need to go do any of those things anyway. And I I'm making it work and I'm doing my best and all of that is true, but you do actually go get to do those things in a safe way for the first time. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so much better than even at the time I could imagine it being. And so I think that that was, that was the feeling that I had. People were getting lit in the parking lot. Like uh Tierna Davidson's family was doing Malort shots, Kayla Sharple's family. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really nice. And it was kind of funny too, because it was the first time and it felt very fitting that we were kind of talking about that Portland game because one of the beautiful things about actually being able to do all of this in person is that if the team has a bad game, you can like go see your friends and be like, well, that was weird and and talk about it and kind of laugh about it and move on. And I think that what, what we saw we'll talk about this kind of throughout the the evening as we saw like, Oh, right. This is how it's supposed to feel even after the team has a bad game. And I think it, it reminded me when we went way, way, way back to the challenge cup final last year after Chicago lost that. And it just felt like everyone felt so bad. And it, it is at least in a way I, I joke that it's nice that they're having a soccer game at the party, but also that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that, yes, you are cheering for your team and yes, you want them to win and all of that sort of stuff. But it's also part of this larger experience that is positive no matter what. And I think that that was out in full force. And so I um yeah, before the game started, we had to like pull ourselves away from the tailgate. We were like, we're going to miss we're going to miss kickoff at this rate. We got to get we got to get back. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was nice to feel like getting uh, sucked back in into it all. And uh, great turnout, great turnout, honestly. Uh, and shout out to to Reggie's, a great local establishment here in the south side of Chicago. And yeah, I know uh, we, we missed some people. We missed some people bus, because yeah. you know what? Reggie's pulls through all the time. They always right. hook up a they hook up a, a soccer bus to to and from their their lovely establishment to out, on out to Bridgeview, which is huge considering yeah, no public Ace transport, transpo is yeah. not available. Uh, right. Transpo is still up in the air for South suburbs uh, in Chicagoland areas, uh, just cause turns out that, uh, that pandemic is a real bitch. Yep. <laughs> yep. So shout out to uh, Reggie's for providing that for some of the homies to come on through. And uh, once they all got there, let me tell you, it was uh, it was pretty pretty dope because once we made our ways back into our spots in the press box to settle in and, and get ready to cover this game, the energy was still there as people started to trickle in, mm-hmm. and we knew part of the hype leading up to this game was that there was eventually going to be the unveiling of, of a new kit mm-hmm. for the Red Sox, 
And once we found out while we were there is what was going to happen was that there was going to be a bit of, um, you know, a hype video involved. So there was a highlight package involved in sort of unveiling the kit. And obviously once that played, the players were going to come out and, uh, you know, be, be wearing them. So it was kind of a cool concept. Uh, it's It was announced and revealed as uh, the third kit in their trilogy. So they went from elevated to introducing and then introducing the neighborhood kit uh, last year during the, the height of the pandemic. And now this year at the kickoff of the regular home season opener, they introduced this this third kit, uh, Momentum Kit. And it's an all black kit with some kind of interesting patterns going on in the shoulder areas with a L train and red stars sort of uh, on the lower torso of the kit. And it's an all black, uh, it's an all black kit. So they've got uh, a blue kit going on that's real reflective of the team and all white kit and now an all black kit. I'm about to ask you this right now because I don't know the answer and I don't know if you know the answer, but is that officially a third kit? Does I thought the NWSL didn't have those. You know what? Home Jersey or is I, it's okay. We're just saying, I would say that we will say that we don't know. It was a little bit. We're spitballing. We're spitballing. Yeah. 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 But it got presented at, I mean, it could just be that maybe it's just like this ongoing, like it's like 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 Marvel, like the red stars kits are like the Marvel universe. (laughs) And this is like the phase three. This is the eternals. Like this is, (laughs) yeah. Right. This is exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, But I think, you know, uh, shout out to, to, to Julie Nuker who designed uh, for sure this Jersey and and was sort of the, the creative brain uh, behind this. That takes a lot of work and honestly, a lot of bravery. I'm just going to put it on record yeah. because whoever was going to be tasked with coming uh, out with the next kit to follow up the elevated and neighborhood kits had a huge, huge bar to hit. Um, so shout out to her for putting in the work. And you know what? A lot of people out there really love uh, all black kids. And yeah, I think, I mean, my specific thought was, I think it looks great on the players. I really do. Um, you know, it, it's something that we haven't actually seen, to be honest, like we haven't seen, this was not shown to us before it was released to everybody else. Like it was not, sometimes, you know, we'll get early just to like plan social media posts. Sometimes you might get something kind of early uh, embargoed, but that was not the case here. So, um, the one thing I'll say is this, is it didn't really click to me until I was kind of rolling up to the parking lot that I was like, Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Originally I thought, why are they waiting so long to do this? This like other teams are doing these different launches and it may, it it makes you feel like maybe the fanfare isn't quite there or you worry. You're like, Oh no, like, is this trying to like kind of sweep this, you know, slide this through really quickly. And, um, but it struck me when I got there, I was like, Oh no, actually this makes perfect sense because this is the first in-person event that Chicago has had in, like you said, 20 months. And that is unique actually to all these other teams who released kits before the challenge cup, because they let fans into the challenge cup. And so I was like, no, this actually does the way this was rolled out actually does make sense to me. And I do think it looks really good on the players. I like that the L train is a little bit understated in its coloring. Um, it looks like a black kit, you know, it's not really, it does, that part doesn't stand out to entirely. And it's a very understated use of the stars for a second. I was like, Oh my God, does it not have red stars on it? <laughs> I was almost like excited. I was like, Ooh, that's different. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah. So I, I think, I think it's great. I would say the one thing I'll say is this, is that um, it did make me dream a little bit of if they had taken kind of that spray paint element on the sleeves and carried it onto the shirt. And then what if they had had spray paint reds, like spray paint drip red yeah. stars? I think that would have been, hey. there's still time in the there's future. Still time. You know, the future is vast. Look, it may, it got me, it got me thinking though. And that's, that's good. Like, you know, that's a good concept that it got me thinking like, okay, so like what, what could be next? You know, look guys, just, yeah. I'm Claire won't say it, but I'll say it. just, you know, get her into those creative <laughs> insight meetings and she'll she'll I'll be you. your I'll be your one person focus group she'll she'll run back all these uh these mm-hmm. ideas for you but it but it was dope it was dope yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, like, I love that too that's a great point yeah it on Claire is like that's something that's been happening over the last couple seasons for the Red Stars when it comes to sort of this unveiling yeah it's much become like a real community event you know right. going back to the elevated kit where it was uh you know this event that was opened up to season ticket holders and it was a it was a, a nice kind of community-based event all yeah. in person pre-pandemic and even in 2020 and unveiling the neighborhood kit making it you know a virtual event mm-hmm. where it was like really this was back in may of 2020 so the concept of doing like virtual events were still like very much in the early stages of like how does that work right. what does it mean to put on a virtual event? and the red stars did that and unveiling the neighborhood kit. So it was really dope to see that they still wanted this unveiling to be inclusive of their fans and making it a huge deal and event. So that was very, very dope to see come through. And we do got to touch on it uh, because we touched on it during the Challenge Cup. And Claire, you you brought up this good point. We, we're getting into the game now. And we're still in these sort of pre-game scenes um, where fans are filtered in. And ahead of the anthems, which made its return um, to SeatGeek during the regular season, which, you know, Claire went uh, on previous episodes mentioning that we didn't, we didn't know if during the Challenge Cup that was a choice and, and it was. And now in the regular season, it's, you know, it's, it's made its return. It, it's been it's been put to us that that is a league mandate, that if you have fans in the stands, you have to play the national anthem. And and, and so they did. And something really cool that kind of came out of it was, uh, you know, the Red Stars have sort of made their, their choices as a team where they kind of wanted to protect themselves and their players. Right. And uh, sort of stand in solidarity with, with Casey Kruger and um, some of the exploitation that took place during 2020 with all of the imaging of, of her going around and in this case, uh, players who did want to participate in the anthem did go out uh, to continue the protests. So we got to see uh, Alyssa Nair, Sarah Gordon, Turner Davidson, and Kayla Sharples as the starters coming on out and uh, taking a knee in solidarity, really, with the majority of Gotham FC players who are continuing uh, their anthem protests as well. So it was very cool to see that players who wish to exercise their civic rights are continuing to do that and being allowed to do that quite frankly in this league. But another point adjacent to that is in those moments, we get to see uh, supporters groups uh, uh, sort of unveil uh, TIFOs or banners of anything. And, uh, and this is a moment where, yeah, I want to give acknowledgement to those players who are continuing their protests. So I just want to take this moment 
to recognize supporters group Chicago Local 134 uh, for unveiling their TIFO, uh, which was a series of simple phrases that just said, we believe Sarah Gordon. And it was perfect. If anybody could have had a more perfect TIFO and set up to their home opener during that weekend, it belonged to the Chicago Red Stars and their supporters group. And it was very dope to see. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it was it was the per- it was the perfect tifo to start out the regular season, I thought, and um, also again indicative of a group of people who haven't had the ability to directly <laughs> speak to someone like Sarah Gordon, and and they've been doing that online. I well, I, I know that they've been doing a lot of communicating with her. We, we'll talk about you know some. We'll get into like hood space merch and stuff like that, but. Um, it was powerful in its simplicity and it needed to be said probably before we could all move forward. And I thought that that was really great. Um, I also thought, Oh yeah. I, I want to also shout out the piece that, that Annie put out that morning. Cause she's doing a lot of really good reporting with the team um, about some of the inner processes that they're going through and and some of the locker room conversations that they're having. And she's getting stories that no one else is really getting about this team. And they talked a little bit about the choice for individuals to stay in the locker room during the national anthem. And they specifically said that um, that came from a feeling of exploitation because of what we all saw happen before the first challenge cup game last year. And so basically what Chicago decided as a group is that um, if their presence is not going to be treated with the respect it deserves, then they're no longer going to give access to their presence during that moment. And I think that that is absolutely fair. And I'm like impressed and proud of them for making that stand. It's so it's like kneeling for the national anthem. They're not causing any, you know, it's like the it's, it's clear it is precise and it is done in such a way that is powerful. And so I think that that is very cool. And we've been talking a lot, whether clear, you know, whether um, with detail or without about how this entire thing for Chicago has been developing for a while and they're still figuring things out week by week, but they're focusing in, I think on how they really feel. And I think that that, is, is a big positive too, because when we talk about things like mental clarity and focus and stuff like that, I think that them finding their voice in saying that like what the league did was not okay is important. It's not only important for them for speaking out to make the league better, but it's important for this team to like speak their truth after 12 hard months, you know? And I think that that can be healing. And so shout out to Annie for getting that story. Um, shout out to the team for making those decisions and then vocalizing them. And yeah, it felt, it felt good. The whole thing just felt really good going into, going into the first whistle, I think. Yeah. hundred percent. It was a, everything was a great buildup leading up to, to kickoff. And, uh, and then we had it that we, <laughs> then we had kickoff. I do want to shout out one extra, um, to poll that was put out there. Shout out <laughs> yeah. to the very, I had to be last minute because this quote kind of came out from some media availability from us. Um, I think I hopped on post uh, challenge cup when Morgan Gatra was issued that suspension leading up to that Portland Thorns 
season opener. And that's where we found out about the butcher nickname, because, you know, I asked Rory Dames, like what's going on and how does the team feel in their absence? And that's where we found out. And that's what we're here for folks. We're here for getting the quotes and Chicago local one through four ran with it. And they made a great, great tuple of the butcher uh, played off of uh, the Witcher. So shout out to all you game heads out there. And it's uh, on all over their social media channels. I think Morgan Gatry even tweeted it out. It's pretty, pretty dope. So a lot of great stuff um, in the stands to go with what we saw on the pitch. Let's get into the starting 11s, Claire. People want to talk about this game a little bit, even if it is a 0-0 draw. Let's take a look at the guests and just sort of run down and see how they were lined up for Gotham FC. They had Kaylin Sheridan in net. Erica Skrosky, Estelle Johnson, Mandy Freeman, Caprice Didasco, Jennifer Crujo, Carly Lloyd, Allie Long, Mitch Purse, Evelyn Veens, Paige Monahan around out there starting 11. Claire, thoughts on the visiting side? They're two players away from that being their strongest 11. Um, and it, it's fundamentally very sound. I mean, they made the change of putting Lloyd behind VN after the Challenge Cup, which is the way that's what they should have been doing during the challenge cup, but it's, it's the way to go forward. And then, um, yeah, Estelle Johnson should be starting for that team. Uh, Allie long is, has a very important role for them. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> when we said this, we, we were sitting there in the press box and I looked at that starting 11 and I said, this is anti Sandra because Sabrina Flores should have started that game. And she should have started the game last week and she didn't. Um, and then I, I, this is actually, I feel less certain about, but I think that they could see more rotation between Ifioma Anumanu and Paige Monahan, maybe, but um, no, it's, it's, they're a good team. It's a good 11 and that is the best formation for them. So they are also kind of figuring themselves out in, in real time, I think. Right on. It's uh it's true folks. I, I said it as much Claire putting me on record. It's, it's true. I can confirm. I, I said that. In the press box, I was like, wow, so this game is just going to be anti-me and anti-Mexican. Congrats on making, <laughs> congrats on making me feel things ahead of this game. Um, we ended up seeing Sabrina Flores for a little bit during this game, yeah. but we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, yeah, same vibes. Uh, Gotham FC have something cooking, Claire. And uh, who knows? Uh, maybe they're going to get there sooner, sooner than we think. But uh, for the Red Stars... Uh, we saw a little bit of uh, different looks heading into this match. There was uh, confirmation uh, for reports in terms of Julie Ertz and her uh, injury coming out of that Portland Thorns match. Uh, turns out it is a right MCL sprain. And I believe in our preview, we had sort of alluded to the fact that whatever it is, maybe best case scenario, if it was some type of bone contusion, because Julia has had to battle back from those before or worst case scenario, meaning like completely done knee, uh, even with the best case scenario coming into play that a player like that was probably going to be shut down and unavailable. And that's what's happened. So for the foreseeable future, Julia uh, is likely not going to be getting some Red Stars games. in. I don't think it's un. Uh, safe to say that it's likely that we might not see her in a Red Stars uniform until post-Olympics, um, should the Olympics still be a thing that are that's happening. Uh, but for now, it forced the Red Stars to kind of maybe take a look at some things uh, in terms of player rotation. So for their starting 11, they lined up as follow. They had Alyssa Nair and Nett, Casey Kruger, Turner Davidson, Kayla Sharple, Sarah Gordon around at the back line. And then they had, <clears throat> excuse me, they had 
Rachel Hill, Morgan Gatra, Danny Colabrigo, Vanessa DiBernardo, Kalia Watt, and Mel Pugh to round out their starting 11. And Claire, it's like you said, this lineup was just anti-Sandra. <laughs> what were your what were your thoughts? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, no, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at the game last week and it's not shocking that they made a couple defensive changes. Um, you know, we talked about kind of what happened on that last goal in Portland and the way the shape got pulled and who was making the right recovery runs and stuff like that. And so um, when you have a player like Sarah Gordon, you don't have to play her at center back. And so I think that they made the right call in having Tierna Davidson play with a closer to more like a like for like center back uh, partner. That's another part of it too, is that they're both these kind of tall um, kind of physically formidable center backs. And, and, and Sarah Gordon is more someone who has quality on the ball. And then obviously she's very fast. And so I think that, they decided to go with a little bit more of a physical presence inside. And then they let Sarah kind of do her thing on the outside. And then the other thing that was interesting is they, they flipped, they had Casey Kruger playing um, on the right and they had Sarah Gordon playing on the left. And um, I never know exactly why those things happen the way they do. It might just be that Sarah Gordon is more comfortable on the left, or we know that Casey Kruger is, um, she's versatile in that way. It also just has to do with the players that they have in front of them as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they went with the four, three, three again, they did not waver from the formation that they played in Portland. Um, I think that the, based on even just the vibe going into the game, once we got there is that um, the team uh, challenged and expected many of the players who played in that Portland game to simply do better this time. And um, we saw that we, I mean, it, it ended up working out, but the, the faith and the expectation was placed on those players. Not that many people got what you would call yanked. Right. No, I don't think, I mean, we're, we're cracking jokes about the starting 11 because we like to have fun on our podcast, but you know, it wasn't too, shocking i think what what we saw if anything it was welcomed i mean looking at the personnel that's available for this team and then watching them sort of make the decisions that they made i mean it 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 we felt it we saw it in the match i mean this game got played out to a 0-0 draw and unshockingly the defense were the stars of this game uh and in essence that's what made it feel like a Red Stars type of victory. 0-0 zero, zero draw where their defense shines is a Red Stars type of victory. Um, so in that sense, it, it sort of felt like we're like, oh, things are getting back to normal here, right? This is the Red Stars that people know and love and are familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I said I said in the, the written recap, like I was a little bit struck just by how normal it all felt. Um, fans were back, the team was moving. It's, it's, I, it's hard to explain, uh, having seen them in the challenge cup earlier this year, but just, it is different. They looked different. They looked more engaged. They looked more fluid. Um, they looked more dynamic. They still though. <laughs> and just, I don't know how else to explain this. 
they still kind of just looked kind of cursed though there yeah. was you know they were like they were controlling the run of play and then carly lloyd has that cracker that hits the crossbar and you're like oh one of those is gonna go in aren't they and then later there was that other one that hit the crossbar and like Alyssa nayer lost the ball visually and did a full 360 looking for the ball and i was just thinking to myself like if this goes in i am going to pass away right here um because Chicago was completely controlling the run of play. They were doing a lot of the things that they wanted to do. And they still had those moments in that first half where you were like, well, this is where uh, I almost called them sky blue. This is where Gotham is about to sneak one back. And it was, I guess maybe if you think about it a little bit lucky that they didn't, but um, yeah, they just still haven't, they still have not overcome whatever that, thing is that makes it so hard for them to win a soccer game you know yeah I don't know if it's like uh I hate to just throw it like throw a, a random phrase out there that's been used where it's like it maybe just feels like they're a little bit snake bit but right. we look at some of these moments like and they happened in this game specifically where there were just these peculiar moments where there's like a like a weird flurry of chaotic energy and like they're just in a dangerous space in the front of the box and then everything is happening where there's a ball and a person in the box and then just the connecting and the finishing just isn't there so just just very very kind of peculiar and it just um yeah sky blue had a couple moments where there were some you know off the post or, or crossbar shots and those are always kind of you know maybe can kind of rattle you know a, a team in terms of momentum shifts you know right and i think i didn't look or feel like it, it in moments where the red stars were letting a game get out of hand you know no i mean i kept saying i kept like physically saying in the press box i was like they're so close they're so close and yeah. and i will say this that what i what i don't want to do is i don't want to kind of overwhelm or supersede what we talked about last week because I think what we've seen is we saw a team have a very bad performance and then we saw maybe this weekend them become the team that we expected them to be maybe like three or four weeks ago. And so I don't, in a way I'm like, I, I am really happy with that performance. And I know Rory Dames was too, but in a way I'm like, okay, so why did it take this long <laughs> to get here? And then also here is not where you want to be. Right. Cause you, they are still just sitting on one point. Um, and I think that, the big positives were definitely in the defense being very in control, very calm. I thought Tierna Davidson had a good game. Kayla Sharples had a good game. I thought the two of them worked together really well. Sarah Gordon had a great game. Um, Casey Kruger, <laughs> Casey Kruger had to handle like a lot of attack on her side. Um, it was tough. It yeah. Was tough. And who was, uh, who was playing in front of her? Yeah, so I mean, oh my bad. I'm going back to formation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we're just, we're just gonna, uh, yeah, we're just Rachel gonna. Rachel Hill yeah. was in front of her, and sometimes yep. was it Watt or well, there was a shift going on in the top line, but right, well, the right, the top look, line. The point the, is, is that Casey Casey Kruger yes had to cover a lot because she, things in front of Casey Kruger were not maybe working as well. She had a lot of defensive work that she had to handle due to the people in front of her. Um, 
some of which you can maybe place on individuals, some of which that you can also just place on the fact that Chicago has um, an attack where people are kind of all over the place. And I'm not sure they always know exactly where they're supposed to be. Um, but I thought the, the really exciting thing actually about, about this match was, and this is why it was such a fun one to watch live is that we kind of got that quality on the ball back from the red stars where in past weeks you can talk about a system not working or, or finishing or, or whatever, but what we, some of the stuff that was kind of killing us is like, just like first touches and, and running into defenders and, and losing possession kind of um, wastefully. And it felt like genuinely, it felt like in the moment, like Chicago person for person was individually outplaying a lot of Gotham's players. Um, they had, I mean, I said it a couple of times, they had Gotham on skates, you know, a yeah. lot, like, like consistently um, in a way that was very exciting to watch. Um, but I don't, I am not entirely sure if you look at the stats that Chicago's passing in the final third got a lot better. In fact, I think that we saw, like, we saw that really great cross where Mallory Pugh hustles to the end line. She makes it to a ball that was going out of bounds. She sends a ball hard and low across the face of goal and nobody gets on it. And so you're like, yeah, that, that is the problem right on itself, which is that, you have this individual effort that is so good because Chicago does have these players who can do these things. And yet one player can't do all of these things on their own. They have to have other people working with them. And so um, I think there's a lot of stuff that the team can be really excited about from this match, but we're still not seeing that element just yet, I guess. Yeah. Just another quick tale of numbers for folks who are interested in, in the data. Uh, Red Stars closing out this game, uh, 13 total shots compared to Gotham's seven, uh, five shots on goal uh, compared to zero for Gotham. So shout out to that back line that we've been praising all episode. And uh, in terms of the passing accuracy, you know, Gotham edged that out a little bit uh, for the Red Stars where it's 75 to 79. Um, and also with the possession about 40 to 60. Yeah, except, I mean, I think that was by design. I think the way you shut Gotham down is you give them the ball too much. I think that Chicago had a good tactical game plan here. I think that if you, we saw this actually in the fall series because Chicago played Gotham twice, right? Um, at the end of, of 2020 and two very lopsided score lines based on who had the ball more and whoever had the ball more lost. And so <laughs> I think that we saw a good game plan against that team, which is, force them in their midfield to figure this out on their own, stay in front of the ball, hit your own counter and let individual quality develop the ball through the midfield. I mean, Morgan Gatra had another really great game. She's playing lights out for them right now. Um, I, I was encouraged by how active Vanessa DiBernardo was on the ball. Um, it was a very classic match in that Danny Colaprico, God bless her, got her ass kicked you got wrecked and, during that game. <laughs> and that's and what I'm saying, where it's like getting these, back up, you know. There's all these little things that were happening during this game, dude, where it's like, wow, this is a Red Stars game. This feels like yep. we're watching a Red Stars game. And it's like strong defense, strong backline performance, 
Danny Colaprico getting wrecked on this game yep. and get right back up just to get wrecked again. It uh-huh. just feels right. Everything just feels right in the world. Um, yeah. And there was a little bit, there was a, you know, I know we, you and I had some reactive moments in the press box to one another where there were some moments where we were just like, what's going on with like, we were noticing some of the officiating and we were just kind of like another, another day in the league, I guess, but a uh, tough moment towards the later end of the game. Um, shout out to Mal Pugh. She was, we got to acknowledge that because she's been putting in some good shifts for the Red Absolutely, Stars. Absolutely. Yeah. First 90 minute game in years really for club. And it was dope to see that it was with the Red Stars a moment where she went end to end at one point, you know, just fantastic. Um, and then there was a tough moment where there was, you know, a Jennifer Cujo sort of off, uh, put a body in the box and there was no call. And just one of the, just one of those types of games, man. Yeah. I mean, I think if anybody has listened to me on any podcast, uh, recently, um, <laughs> the officiating in this league is very bad. And I think it it feels worse this year than it has in the past. And your only hope is that it is bad in a balanced way and not bad in a lopsided way. And I would say to a certain extent, both teams felt very hard done by, by that ref, even just in that they weren't allowed to really play the second half. There was a lot of stopping of, of play and Danny got, two yellows officially went in the book for dissent. And really what happened is that she had did two fouls kind of quickly. And then the ref decided that if you do two fouls, I guess that's good enough for one yellow card. So <laughs> for a yellow card for that, yeah. Kayla Sharples took one for the team. She got a yellow card for a foul that she didn't commit. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know what? Hashtag you know free Kayla. But yeah, we saw, we saw a little bit of John. We saw a little bit of John. That's um, true. Yeah. Bernardo. That's right. Bernardo was wearing that captain's armband and said, guess yep. what? I am the yellow and the pointer now. Uh-huh. Yep. And, 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 and Mallory Pugh also really did a nice job of telling her team what she needed as a striker. And then even just moments. Yeah. They conceded, they conceded that goal, maybe like 20, not goal. They conceded that free kick, maybe like 20 yards from goal. And you saw Mallory Pugh, she was clapping. She was talking. She was like, okay, focus, stay engaged. Don't let up on this. And you're like, yes, that's exactly what you need. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to shout out the Mallory Pugh fitness thing too, because we've been talking this for however many weeks about the things that Chicago has struggled with, but I swear to this day, there's no better team to come to if you need help rehabbing. And especially if you don't know what's wrong with you, (laughs) like they have done another exceptional job of getting a player fit. And so we've seen, I'm going to be straight up. Like what we've seen from Morgan Gatra in the last month is U S women's national team quality. And it's, it's because she's healthy. And we are now seeing that from Mallory Pugh. And that is a huge victory for Chicago. And it's exactly why people come here and, and, and they can't succeed without it either. It's a fundamental part of what makes them tick. And so, um, yeah, I watching that. And again, seeing it live being like, wow, you know, this is a sport women's soccer specifically where sometimes people get injured and they get really bad advice and so we are robbed. We and they are robbed of years of, of quality soccer playing. And to have this be a team that can flip that script and change that narrative is really cool um, to be able to witness week to week, I think. 
hundred percent. It was dope. Uh, game closed out zero zero. Uh, we're giving a lot of love to to Mel Pugh for a reason. It's been dope to sort of see her progression with this team, even in just a limited window of time that she's here. So it just sort of feels like it's the matter of time before she starts uh, cranking it up and, and turning them on. So we spoke to Rory Dames, Mallory Pugh, and Sarah Gordon in post game, and here were some of their reactions uh, on the night. Uh, hey guys, uh, congrats on having fans back in the stand and uh, coming back from that performance last week. Sarah, I just wanted to ask you real quick. We had this little bit of a rotation tonight on on the back line. How was it sort of playing at that outside back position again after you've been seeing so much time in the center back pairing? I think it's kind of natural for me just to play outside back just because of my qualities on the field. So I love every opportunity, you know, to get out there and to just kind of run up and down that line. You know, it's not it's not too difficult of a shift for me. Uh, congrats on all the uh, the merch that was dropping off on Hoodspace. Uh, can, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the response that you've been getting in terms of the support from the fan base uh, around Hoodspace and, and all the merch that you've been putting out there? Yeah, I feel like I'm always just like so humbled and surprised by the support um, from the fans and supporters of this team, of this league, and the way that they step up and show up for us uh, more so than anyone else. I love it. Um, I'm grateful for it. And I hope we can like take this momentum and really like put resources, uh, use these profits, put resources back into our black communities here in Chicago. Thanks guys. Good luck this week. Hey Rory. Thanks for taking the time. Um, Are you in the press box? I am. Yeah. Sandra just had to mute. She's right next to me. Um, yeah. Hey guys, how great was it to see all the fans back tonight? Oh, it was amazing. It was so wow. amazing. Um, hear them too. Being able to hear them was incredible. But um, I just wanted to ask about, we saw what the team looked like without Morgan Gattrall last week. And we saw some of the stuff they were able to do these, this week with her. And it seems like it's been an underrated development a little bit, just how important she is to the squad. So can you just kind of talk about how essential she is to the system? Yeah, well, listen, not having the butcher last week was big. She's straight <laughs> out of the air, so it gives us another ball winner with Julie. She gets, she switches the point for us and gets us in and out of pressure. What's clearly we struggled with last week. Um, that's why the the decision that came down on her was so disappointing. You know, why would you take want to take one of the better matchups of the weekend and pull a player out for nothing? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I thought Morgan, Danny, and Vanessa all had their best runouts tonight. Vanessa absolutely got cleaned out in the box. It's a stone-cold penalty kick. There's no ifs, ands, or doubts about it. If you're going to call 50 fouls in a game, at least call the most important one. Wasn't brave enough to do it. Um, so I thought our, our midfield was outstanding tonight. And, yeah, Morgan, I said this to you guys maybe – 13 or 14 weeks ago, but just like Mal, Morgan's healthy. Morgan actually is playing. Morgan hit her top speed in three years here last week in the training. So when people get healthy and have confidence in their body, then confidence in their game comes back. And if anything, Claire, that just lets you know how well Morgan's played in her whole time here when she hasn't been healthy. I can't wait to see what she looks like in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks as she continues to play her way in. And Morgan, Vanessa, and Danny, they, they yeah, I mean, are, listen, they're too slow. They can't cover enough ground. They're not dynamic enough, blah, blah, blah. Keep telling them all the things they can't do. I appreciate that. The more you guys can tell them that, the better it is for me. Um, and then you guys have a quick turnaround. You have two games on the road in real quick succession. Do you think there's going to be a significant amount of rotation going on, or are you still just trying to get a run out for – this group as much as possible 
Well, I think I said this to you before the Portland game, three out of the first four on the road certainly wasn't very friendly for us. So we'll have to get through the next few days and see where we're at. And then we have a plane flight. Um, so that's, I mean, we'll put out the strongest group we can without the risk of breaking anybody in the third game. You know, as you said, Mel went 90 minutes for the first time in eons. So we'll have to be very careful with her. Um, we have a few players that were carrying necks from last week that put in a good shift. So I would suspect we'll have some rotation because we have some pretty good players that didn't play in the game tonight. But we won't make any final determinations until we get to Tuesday night and see where we're at. It's not a game unless we talk about some post-game stuff, Claire. So hopefully uh, people enjoyed some of the sound bites from that. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did have one final thought, I think, about the game itself, which is I, I did feel, and this is maybe a good segue to the preview for the next game, because this is the next opportunity, right, to get a, a win, is, and this is unfair. This is legitimately unfair, and I know that, but I will say that we had live in person in 2019 some games that kind of went just right right at home you want to think of like Vanessa DiBernardo getting that goal in front of everybody against North Carolina and then Sam Kerr getting the win you know and or even the one back in May where she did the backflip or the semifinal against Portland where they get the goal and they get the win because it just feels like that's where the momentum is going um, I, I think that in that we, we had a lot of praise for the team in this episode, but it did feel like a sign of the year a little bit so far that they didn't get that perfect moment. They were so close so many times to getting exactly what they needed and exactly what the crowd wanted and was like encouraging them towards and, you could just see it happening. You could imagine it in your mind's eye of, of getting that goal and the cheers and maybe winning this game one, nothing. Um, and it is still indicative of all of the other things that we've been saying about the team for the last five or six weeks, that that didn't happen. Um, and so now the fans have to wait a little bit longer to get that moment. And so what I want for the team is to be able to produce that. And I know that they want that for themselves too, but um, we're still covering a team that can't quite do that yet. You know, hopefully they'll get there. Um, But it feels like, you know, maybe this was a good, um, let's call it a reset button. Yeah. 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 This is a good uh, reset button. Uh, sort of carrying all the good energy and all the pregame vibes leading up to the performance that they were able to put in on the pitch. I mean, that's a tough loss to come off of and to be able to sort of do what they did, I think was a decent response for them. They should, you know, really sort of try to hang their head on it. And um, absolutely, yeah. it was good to just sort of get that environment again and, and that feeling of what a homestand is. Um, speaking of other post-game things, uh, we wanted to touch on this uh, in this episode because we thought it was important to touch on it. Um, with all of the excitement that was going on, with all of the new things that got introduced during this match, whether they were home kits or the, the pre-game tailgating, and all the new things that are coming into play in this SeatGeek Stadium facility in light of the Red Stars really being the primary um, tenants of this facility – there's a lot of things that happen at uh, SeatGeek, whether they're like concerts or whether now it's going to be uh, other soccer that comes in today into play. But it's really the Red Stars who are sort of having a dominant presence 
in that facility. And we saw some of the things. There's a lot of new banners that are going around. They have um, a really cool sort of digital board that goes around the pitch now. A lot of cool things going on in there. We did notice that there was a new banner that was placed up and it had a lot of uh, historic Red Stars on there. And uh, during the post-game reaction, current Red Stars forward uh, Katie Johnson and Mexican International uh, had this to say about it. She was something that she had pointed out and was bothered. And she posted a note to her Instagram, which said the following, if you know me, you know, I'm not one to usually bother by things, at least from an outside perspective, I've always tried to keep cool and see all point of views before voicing an opinion. On Friday, I saw that the Red Stars were putting up a banner in the stadium of former and present players of national teams, not only U.S. players, but all countries. To my surprise, I even saw my former teammate from Mexico, Maribel Dominguez, whom I was lucky enough to play with and learn a lot from my first years playing in La, in La Selección. Not seeing myself on that banner was disappointing. I am so proud to be Mexican-American. We talk about visibility all the time and we preach it within our league and clubs. How am I supposed to be that role model when my club doesn't even recognize that? While it is frustrating, all I can do is try to get on the field. So maybe that young girl does see me and say, hey, that's going to be me one day. So uh, I just want to take a moment here to uh, A, acknowledge this statement. Um, and B, congratulate Katie Johnson for uh, speaking her truth and feeling comfortable enough to uh, put that out there. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's still dangerous uh, to try to vocalize and speak your truth sometimes. Um, but in doing that, it got the the attention of some things. And, um, you know, owner Arnim Whistler has actually uh, spoken a little bit about it. Um, you know, supporters group Chicago Local 134 had also shared the statement as well. And um, he essentially replied saying that there were some internal discussions about them and uh, that it was, you know, they took responsibility for the fault in that not ex expressing or having conversations prior uh, to that moment that the banner was supposed to be reflective of Chicago Red Stars players who have represented their country in Olympics or in World Cups and that there was an apology that was issued to Gady Johnson and the team for the misunderstanding. Um, and he also alluded to that, that there are future plans to celebrate uh, players on the team that include Katie Johnson and uh, that that banner will actually eventually be amended and uh, clarified and other things will be unveiled in short time. Um, but yeah, I, I would imagine that that really sucked <laughs> to yeah, see. Right. I mean, like Katie Johnson. Right. I, I, yes. Right. I think, whether or not, well, here's the thing is if that was a misunderstanding, that is 100% on the team, 100% on the team. Um, if you are trying to depict a certain specific thing, you have to communicate that not only to intern the people internally, but also to everybody. Um, and you can't let in your enthusiasm for this thing that you've come up with, um, let those signals get crossed. I agree that I think it's great that um, Katie Johnson expressed how she felt. I think that's exactly the right thing to do. Um, not only in that it, there's so much in that statement that is so true, universally true, that it's something that the club should be reminded of always. And also be reminded that you have to care about how the things that you do are perceived by your players, whether it's 
a banner in the stadium, whether it's who you put on your marketing, whether it's who you highlight in your game notes, who you put on the tickets, all of that sort of stuff. You have to, we've been talking about this for a long time. You have to look outside of your own experience and your own perspective and you have to care about those things. And yeah, honestly, just major props to Katie Johnson for, for speaking her truth on that. It sucks how that made her feel. And I hope that the club learns from it. And also I am glad not even a kudos, but I am, I am glad that Arnhem addressed it publicly and specifically said that there were apologies involved, because I think that that's an important part of, of moving forward when you make a misstep like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what these uh, type of celebrations are in the future. Um, I'll be the first to say that I'm skeptical of them. I don't feel uncomfortable. I'm going to take my cue from Katie Johnson and say that I'm not uncomfortable in speaking my own truth on that uh, just because of uh, prior and past uh, events. I mean, I remember when there were two Mexican internationals on this team and there was an international night theme and they were excluded from that. And only their Japanese yep. and Australian players were honored. And uh, I was offended by that um, as a Mexican American medium person. Who's, it's the same. It's the same issue too, right? It's the same blinder of, of this are, idea that it has to be players who have played in the Olympics or in a world cup. Like it's just, yeah, no. You can't. Yeah. So here we are two years yeah. later, just making the same old fashioned mistake. <laughs> the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to, uh, um, it's tough to give that room, uh, to, uh, allow others to learn, right. And improve when, uh, you're constantly feeling like maybe you're being let down. Also, it doesn't also, it matters how Katie Johnson feels like that's the number one thing. And yeah is just it doesn't matter what you were trying to do it doesn't matter what the bigger picture behind it was whatever thing you think that you're doing the number one thing here is that katie johnson's feelings here matter and she's right about the larger issue at hand and (laughs) i know we keep talking about it i'll just be like i'll just keep my voice will keep getting louder and louder but um (laughs) But yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm really glad that she spoke up. I'm glad that she had the support of her teammates. I'm glad that she had so the support of some infrastructure, even outside of the team support from the supporters group. And yeah. And, and also, like you said, um, it's not her place to have to spend the energy to letting people know about this stuff, but I'm glad that she did because that is also part of what that is being the role model that she, she wants to be. And I think that that is very, very cool. And I feel very lucky to have her as a player on the Chicago Red Stars, you know? Absolutely. Claire, while we're vouching for you to get into those creative insight meetings, I'm just going to say, if you need help connecting yeah. <laughs> the Latinx Chicago community, I also know somebody who's real uh-huh. good. Yeah. <laughs> Claire, we got a preview. Oh, They're that's right. Okay. Quick turnaround. This team is going to have a quick turnaround, Claire. They have to go on the road to Kansas City, which uh-huh. is thankfully not too far away. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they're going to they're, they have a midweek game. It's the return of midweek matches and they're going to go face off against their Midwest brethren in Kansas City and WSL who are coming off of like a thriller. Like there was the, yeah. the, the Cascadian rivalry that sort of kicked things off on Sunday and then. Houston and Kansas City close things out with a very exciting 2-2 draw where Kansas City, uh, playing only with 10 players, uh, 
came back and equalized uh, to earn a 2-2 draw. So we're talking about team two teams going in with a certain type of momentum. Um, I don't know. I think the Red Stars still got their work cut off for them. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> the thought that I had, you said, right, not too far. Uh, short flight, long drive. That's They're in that that sort of uh, arena for, for Kansas City. Yeah, I um, you know, I'm hopeful hope against hope. I think this is maybe not a terrible opportunity for the first um, win. Uh, just only the, I, I think for Kansas city going down to Houston and then coming back on short rest, maybe the advantage is a little bit for Chicago having been at home and then um, making the trip. We'll, we'll see how they feel in Houston and on Saturday, but um, yeah, I uh, Kansas city is a funny team. They are a funny team. They don't really have a midfield but they have really good players in their midfield. So it, they're not midfielders, but they are good and they are in the midfield, but it's not a midfield. And I think that's a difficult thing to play against. <laughs> that is an excellent preview. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm over here. Like people, we don't do video, but I am just over here nodding like left and right about yeah. it. I'm like, man, that is the best way to really sum up that Kansas city team. I mean, it's, it's it's just so true. I um, it just sort of felt like we came off of this weekend of games, week two, right? We're only two weeks in, but we're coming off of this weekend of games where it just sort of feels like the league in general and its clubs are kind of like, okay, we've arrived. It's regular season. Let's start doing that soccer. And I just feel like there is uh, even with the quick turnaround because the Red Stars are not the only ones with a midweek match coming up. There's three games on the docket coming up this week, but. Um, it feels like with that quick turnaround, there could just be maybe some extra energy, you know, because of the short, the short week. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say for this game that I do not want Amy Rodriguez to have a good game. Uh, it's an obvious choice. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a petty choice because I just keep thinking about that challenge cup game uh, where she just simply dunked on the red stars to sort of get that goal. So I would like it if she would not do things like that again. Yeah. They're going to be without Elizabeth ball because she was ejected from, from the match this past weekend. Um, and I think very highly of her. So I do think that that's a significant loss for them. I don't want Rachel Corsi to have a good game. I don't want Rachel Corsi to be blowing blowing them up i don't want her to be getting that toe in i want her to to, to slip every once in a while on this one yeah I think. I think i'll also throw in another and just say nicole barnhart yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. she's just been around yeah. she's been around she's been around and uh she's a gamer for club so if she could have an off day that'd be that'd be great for yes. the red stars i need i needs me a mallory pew regular season goal yeah, I think that like I felt so I felt good enough about this performance this last weekend that, you know, I, I said that thing a couple of weeks ago where I was like, what goal would feel good? And I think actually this is like a positive momentum. I think there are many players who could score and it would feel good. It would feel great if Morgan Gatra got one. It would feel great if Kaylee Watt got one. It would feel great if Mallory Pugh got one. It would feel great if Katie Johnson got one. I think that. <laughs> the other thought I had this past weekend was like, Oh, Sarah Gordon's going to get one this season. I think, I think she's no, going to get one. <laughs> Sarah Gordon gets a goal. 
Claire, let's let's manifest it. All right, all right, all right. We're gonna manifest good things. All right. If Sarah Gordon gets a goal, yeah. And you don't do this with this type of liquor, and I'm not talking about my lord because no. Okay. But if Sarah Gordon gets a goal this season sometime, you and I are doing a shot of Hennessy. Fuck yeah. Yeah, for sure. So easy, easy, easy. Yes. Yeah. Patreon um, subscribers, listeners, yeah. feel free to call us out when and whenever it does happen, because we feel like it's going to happen. Yes. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm like about to say, I wish that every member of the 11 would score. But uh, one final thing kind of in, in terms of what people can look for, maybe, is that we saw we saw this past weekend that on corner kicks like Julie Ertz is gone. Right. So um, Kayla Sharples was up there and, and Casey Kruger was too. like, I think the two main the two main aerial focuses on corner kicks are Casey Kruger, who we know can get a real good header every once in a while. Um, and Kayla Sharples, who I think has an inner as well. So um, any of those players, I am now at the point where I, where I will accept a goal from any member of the Chicago red stars. Right on. We'll take it. We'll yeah. take it. We love us. Some red stars goals. Hopefully they happen midweek. I don't care if they happen on the road or at home. I just hope they start happening. Yeah. Uh, we are still looking forward to someday recapping a win in 2021 for the Chicago Red Stars. So hopefully it happens soon. Folks, if you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, I thank you for being here with us. Uh, I want you to know that we are always here to chat about all things Chicago Red Stars, the good, the bad, the inconvenient. And uh, we will continue uh, to do that moving forward. And if you enjoy what we do here, I want you to know that there's a number of ways in which you can support our work. And the best way to do that is supporting us directly via our patron. There are a number of tiers you could take a look at. We have subscriptions starting from $2 all the way to $25. Uh, all of that helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to create Chicago Red Stars content. If you cannot do that, we understand that things are hard all over. So there's a multitude of ways for you to support us outside of that. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels like Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. You can also find us on all streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. So go ahead and find us. Give us a like. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe. That stuff helps us out all of the time whenever we're creating this stuff for you guys. So continue to make good choices, uh, wear your mask, get vaccinated. If you have the opportunity, wash your hands, wash your face, wash your everything. And as always continue your support of black players and black life. And we will be back with you soon to recap Kansas city and Chicago.